As found in Romans chapter 14, we're making our way through this wonderful letter from Paul to the church in Rome. And uh, we've been doing this the whole school year, and we're, we're coming um, to the last couple of chapters in Romans. Um, today, uh, I did this last Sunday night. I enjoyed it so much, and it was helpful to me and, and to the congregation as well, I heard. And so we're going to break this down into three sections. And so I'll read, um, after a few introductory matters, I'll read the first section, and then I'll, and then I'll say... Um, the word of the Lord, and you'll say, thanks be to God, and then, so you, and then, you know, I'll, I'll preach and teach it through, and then we'll look at the next section and, and do the same all the way through. So, you might think of it as three mini-sermons today. Um, so, just a couple of introductory uh, comments. There was a survey taken of, uh, of young adults, you know, 18 to 29-year-olds a few years ago about Christianity. And this is, um, this is, you know, folks that were outside sort of looking at the church from the outside. But the results um, that, that were found were pretty discouraging to church, you know, leadership and to church members. It said that, you know, their impression of Christians was that they were judgmental and hypocritical. You know, that, um, that Christians sort of think of themselves as better than everyone and that they, um, it's, it really becomes toxic to people. It be, and it becomes toxic to, you know, reaching people with the faith when they see us not taking the words of our Savior seriously. <laughs> because Jesus said, you know, don't pretend that you don't have a log in your eye and try to help someone with the speck in their eye. And I'm not talking about, you know, making judgments. We all have to do that every day. I'm talking about being judgmental. Talking about, you know, like a hierarchy of sins and judging people that we have no right to judge. Paul, Paul says that there is, there's already a judge. <laughs> you know, every day, every day we have to make judgments. You know, every time we, we cross the street, but extending that, you know, what Paul is talking about is, is ignoring the plank, you know, in your own eye. It's being, it's being a Pharisee, you know, that, that those teachers of the law that thought that they were better than everyone else. What Paul is saying in this whole section is that we should just leave judgments to the judge. Just leave judgments to the judge. Leave them to God. We already have a judge, and he will make a just judgment in his timing. So let's, let's have a look at the first 12 verses here of Romans chapter 14, where Paul tells us not to pass judgment. Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. One man's faith allows him to eat everything, but another man whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not, and the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does, for God has accepted him. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One man considers one day more sacred than another, 
another man considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. He who regards one day as special does so to the Lord. He who eats meat eats to the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And he who abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself alone, and none of us dies to himself alone. If we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother? Or why do you look down on your brother? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will confess to God. So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So Paul here, so remember, remember where we're at. I've been saying this sort of every couple of weeks, but what a beautiful letter Paul has, has written to this church in Rome. Truly, you know, it changed that church, it changed Christianity, it changed human history in a, in a lot of ways when different generations have read this letter, have taken it into their hearts. It's brought redemption, it's brought, you know, revivals, it's brought reformation as people get the message of grace through faith in Jesus. That message that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and yet Christ has given his life for us. Paul is now working out the practical implications of that good news message. He's saying, don't look down on other people. How could, how could you do that? How could you judge another person's heart or another person's motivations? Leave that to God. As a reminder, this church was diverse. They were a combination. They had all kinds of different backgrounds. There was Gentile Christians who had come maybe out of paganism or worshiping false gods. And there was Jewish Christians that had come from that background and had placed their faith in Jesus as their Messiah. So how would they work it all out? He uses these two common examples and there are things that are still around today, things that we still sort of debate or discuss. Seventh-day Adventists and many other Christian traditions worship on Saturday. We worship on Sunday. What do we do with that? Some people are vegetarians and, and, and because of their faith. Some people drink wine. Some people do not. What do we do with all of these things? What can a Christian eat? What days should we be worshiping on? Paul, he addresses all of it, not by giving us the right answer, but by saying, love one another. Don't judge each other. He says, follow your own conscience and don't quarrel over the small matters. 
There's a, there's a wonderful quote. I've heard it for a long time. It was posted at a, at a church um, that I would visit in Seattle from time to time. Nobody knows who said this quote, but it reads, In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. So essentials. What are the essentials? What is the bedrock of the Christian faith? Well, did Jesus rise from the dead? Is Jesus the Son of God? Is God made real as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? The kind of things that we affirm in the Apostles' Creed, in our historic creeds, in our confessions. They're God's revealed truth. And I, and I gotta tell you, I'm not going to bend on any of those things. And we as a church aren't going to bend on the historic Christian faith. And we want to be unified around that. In essentials, unity. Jesus. He's our head. Jesus is the Lord of the church. He's our king. He laid down his life for you and me. What day we worship, whether we eat meat or not, whether we enjoy a glass of wine once in a while, liberty. There's freedom. There's freedom of conscience, conscience in that. And then, whatever we're talking about, in all things, charity, caritas, <laughs> you know, love. In all things, love. Put on love over all these things. Why? Why do we do these? Why do we not judge other people? Why do we leave that to God? Paul says it's because we belong to each other. Because we belong to each other. We belong to Jesus. We don't live for ourselves. If you are a Christian, you are not living for yourself and your own wants and needs exclusively. And Paul will talk about this in the next section. But we're living for the Lord. And we're living in unity with our brothers and sisters. The Heidelberg Catechism, question and answer one, is so near and dear to our hearts for so many of us. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, but belong, body and soul, in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He's our faithful Savior, friends. We belong to him. And we can rest in that. So if, if, that, if that is true, and that's what we're hanging on to, and that's our faith, which is the bedrock of our faith, we're going to spend eternity with every other disciple of Jesus, everyone else who loves Jesus, everyone else who's a committed follower of Christ. So why don't we just start now practicing what that's going to be like? Showing showing love to all, showing charity to all, practicing loving people, even the people that we disagree with about these non-essential matters. So, you know, maybe in the back of your head, surely we've had many, many non-essential matters that we've debated the last couple of years. Some of us in this room are wearing masks right now. Some of us are not. Some of us have been vaccinated for 
COVID-19. Some of us have not. And is that a salvation issue? No. It is not a salvation issue. Do not judge someone who feels differently than you about this. Was it, was it life and death? In some matters, it was. So I, so I hope it was a wake-up call to many people where they're at with Christ. And I'm actually hearing more and more stories about people that the last couple of years prompted them to come back to church and to come back to their faith. And that's not to lessen the loss or the pain or the grief that we felt, but it's just to remind us that God is a redeemer, that God takes even the hardest things in our life and makes something beautiful about them. We could have used a lot more of this. We could have used a lot more non-judgmentalism, you know, online and in person. You know, keeping, keeping the main thing the main thing. Keeping glorifying God as our aim. And it doesn't even, you know, this passage talks about the weak person and the strong person. It doesn't even matter who it is or what, how it applies to every individual situation. Who are you to pass judgment? Who are you to pass judgment? You guys know that I'm a, that I'm a soccer fan. Only seven months to the World Cup, everybody. It's coming up this, this fall, November. But my favorite coach over in England, who's a vegetarian, by the way, just side note, but he, they were asking him, you know, do you feel like you're going to beat this team? Because they're in really bad shape right now. You know, this is your opportunity to go and, and really beat them up and show that team. And he said, you know what? We got enough problems of our own over here. I'm just going just gonna to let them do their thing. I'm going to try to work on the issues that I have, the issues on my team. I liked that non-judgmental attitude. And I thought, boy, with that attitude, he's gonna, he'll, he'll really go stomp them, but then it ended up being a tie, which a tie's like kissing your sister, is what my coach used to say. So we hate, we hate ties. But Paul says, you know, because of the grace of Jesus laid out in this letter, and because we have a judge, a judge who is a right, a, a judge who is good, a judge who is gracious, we don't need to judge anyone else. Humility goes a long way. Humility goes a long way. So let's, let's continue and see what Paul says in verses 13 to 23. Thank you. Putting it back up on the screen. So Paul says, Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. As one who is in the Lord Jesus, I am fully convinced that no food is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for him it's unclean. If your brother is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. So do not by your eating destroy your brother from whom Christ, for whom Christ died. Do not allow what you consider good to be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by men. 
Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a man to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother to fall. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the man who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But the man who has doubts is condemned if he eats, because his eating is not from faith, and everything that does not come from faith is sin. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In this text... And in this mini-sermon, Paul's saying, don't cause others to stumble. Don't put a stumbling block in front of anyone else. And how do we do that? We set our own needs aside. We put the needs of our brothers and our sisters ahead of our own, just in these situations, when we're eating, when we're drinking together. Remember that the Jewish members of this church, you know, the, 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 the Jews for Jesus that were in this church in Rome, they came from a world in which they couldn't eat certain foods. That was their background. That's the way that they were raised. That's the way that they lived for a long time. And the apostles came from that world too. Paul came from that world. Peter came from that world. Um, the apostle Peter... I mean, he had a vision when he was praying up on the roof and Jesus appeared to him and said, all foods are clean. <laughs> and he still struggled with it. Even after that vision, that's spoken of, if you want to read more about that this afternoon, look at Galatians 2. Peter was still sitting with the, the Jewish believers and away from the Gentiles, and he was still kind of looking down on them because of the food. And Paul confronted him, not to remedy his behavior or to say, hey, turn out of guilt or shame him into that. He confronted him with the gospel. He said, you're not living in accordance with the gospel. What Paul said here, we belong to each other. Jesus died for us. We don't live for ourselves anymore. We live for his glory. So that, that's the Gentiles' background. or Sorry, the Jewish background. The Gentiles' background, a lot of them would have come out of a world where they were eating food that was sacrificed to idols and to false gods. They would have been in these pagan temples where it was part of their rituals to try to appease the gods, try to get them to do what they wanted. They would sacrifice these, this food and then they would eat it afterwards. And they, they left that behind because they realized that's not the true God. The true God is the, the, the Father of Jesus Christ. So what does that mean? Can I still eat that food even though I know it's a sham? Even though worshiping, you know, worshiping idols, I know that that's false. I know that doesn't do anything anymore. So can I eat it or not? And what, what Paul says is really interesting, right? Whatever you think about these matters, keep them to yourself. Keep them between you and God. 
But don't eat or drink wine in front of someone else if it makes them stumble, if it hurts their faith, if it hurts their walk with Christ. You know, a stumbling block is such a common phrase and such a common metaphor that we forget about the picture. <laughs> you know, there was an Old Testament commandment. Don't put a stumbling block in front of a blind man. A literal block that would make them stumble. How sad is that? When someone can't see it and we've put something there that's going to make them trip and fall and injure themselves. Paul's saying don't do that spiritually either. And the way that what you eat and whether you drink wine or not, it can be that for some. The text is saying, if it causes your neighbor to stumble, cut it out of your life for them because of your love for your neighbor. Let's look at the last verses of this passage in chapter 15. So 15 verses 1 to 13. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself, but, as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus, so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing hymns to your name. Again it says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and sing praises to him, all you peoples. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. The Gentiles will hope in him. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So in those times, in those times when you are applying the truth of the gospel to all these everyday scenarios, these everyday situations, should I, should I drink? Should I not? Should I do this action that might cause someone to stumble? What do we do in those difficult situations? What do we do when we don't know the right answer? Look to Christ. Look to Christ. Look to Him alone.
You know, how do we, how do we build people up? Christ. How do we live in harmony with one another? Christ. How do we glorify God? Christ. Looking to Him. Looking to Him. What? Jesus was far, far more than an example. He was the Son of God. He was God in the flesh. But we look to Him as our example. The way that He lived. The way that He taught. The way that He modeled sacrifice and selflessness in his life, and then especially in his death on the cross. Paul tells us that we have an obligation not to please ourselves. So often it feels like the culture that is around us all the time, both outside the church and inside the church, it's about our preferences and our needs, and our wants. It's about pleasing ourselves. We'll go to a church as long as it works for us. We'll, we'll take the American dream, and we'll pursue it, and we'll go after it with everything that we are. We'll slave to those false gods, and then we want a little bit of Jesus on the side, almost like the cherry on top. But that's not Christianity. That's not discipleship. Discipleship is picking up our cross and following Jesus and surrendering our whole lives to Him. We'll never find joy when we try to put Jesus over here and say, you can't come in to all the rooms in my house. But when we do surrender to Him and we let Him restore us and refresh us and, and, and put all the dust out of all these rooms, there's joy. There's gladness in the Lord because we're looking to Jesus. When we set aside our own agenda, when we say, yes, I want this, and I know it's not a stumbling block for me, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it up. I'm going to put it on pause for the sake of my brother and my sister. When we do those things, we're becoming more and more like Jesus more and more like Jesus, who set aside his own agenda, who set aside what he wanted, and he said, not my will, but yours be done. That's what Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane. Lord, take this cup from me, but not my will, but yours be done. In those times when we're not sure, Look to Christ. Look to Him. See the way of Jesus laid out before you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your holy word to us, Your gospel. Your gospel that points us to not just living a better life, not just having nicer children or but your your gospel that points us to Jesus who changed everything God may the truth of what you've done in Christ may it rule our hearts may it reign in our lives God and, and help us 
Help me, Lord, to, to stop being so selfish and to put the needs of my brothers and sisters ahead of my own, to, to look for how to glorify you, to find my hope and my joy and my peace in you, and to trust you for everything. God, we thank you for these practical wisdom instructions that come out of the gospel, that come out of your incredible life and death for us. Give us a fresh view of that. Renew our hearts this morning, Lord Jesus. We ask it all in your perfect name. Amen.